You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio Show, Around Atlanta Edition. Showcasing the best of Metro Atlanta, our communities, the attractions, and the special events that make Atlanta great. Welcome to our virtual town square. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning and welcome back to the Around Atlanta edition. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Before we kick things off, I do want to thank New American Funding for being our 2020 show sponsor, our ninth year on the air. It has been a real joy to partner with New American Funding over the course of 2020. I'm looking forward to our continued partnership with them. All right, this is going to be a fun conversation, a new organization uh, that we have not showcased on this show before, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Let's welcome Matt Garbett. He is the co-founder of Thread ATL. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, the pleasure is mine. I appreciate you making time. Uh, I know you got a lot going on right now, so pleased that you have carved out a few minutes to visit with us. Matt, before we get into Thread ATL, take a quick second. Tell us a bit about you and your background. I manage an independent grocery store here in Atlanta. It's my full-time job. Uh, I moved to Atlanta 20 years ago, swearing that I would hate it and move back to New York City or Washington, D.C. Walked the city and was in grad school for English. And my thesis was based around how a city design shapes people's decisions on how they travel. I had no idea that urban planning existed. I got involved in the Neighborhood Association in the Old Fourth Ward right when the Beltline was opening and we had a lot of development, did a crash course in good city design and ended up falling in love with that. And now I wander the city looking at it and thinking of ways to make it a better city for everyone to live in. So that's that's the snapshot. Outstanding. So Thread ATL. So walk us through kind of the mission and purpose of what you guys are all about. The mission of Thread ATL is kind of still being determined. We're working on our strategic plan. It started basically about seven years ago as a bunch of us that were urbanists talking online in a Facebook messenger thread. And once it reached about 10,000 messages, we just started calling it the thread. And we decided to form a couple years ago. Originally, we were going to be a political action group and we were going to do a bunch of lobbying. But we eventually decided to form and we announced actually four years ago last week And what we do mainly now is a lot of kind of coverage of developments that are going on. We break stories about some developments that people may not be aware of or some government misuse of funds. And a lot of it has been education, trying to get more people to learn about good urbanism, which is going to be a lot of different things that we'll talk about, but also really becoming more aware this year, obviously, of, of the racial justice implications of good urbanism and every aspect of social justice for good urbanism. At its basic form, we're advocating for a equitable, affordable, walkable city that prioritizes the residents over cars. And that's kind of the core of it. There's a lot to unpack there, but that's basically what we're advocating for. The people over cars and a city that allows people to have access to employment, housing, and the services they need through transit and through pedestrian activity. Wow. Are we kindred spirits or why? Just so you know a little bit about my background, which will inform some of my positions as we continue this conversation. Uh, But when Carol and I started this show almost 10 years ago now, 
I lived in Atlanta. And in the subsequent years, I, I now live in downtown Chicago. And my wife and I uh, sold our cars. And so we live in the loop and, and uh, rely on public transportation. Now, we're going to probably chat about COVID-19 and how that's impacting the advocacy work that you're doing. And that's obviously having a real impact on, on thinking and, and terms, certainly long-term thinking about good urbanism, as you're talking about. But we're also going through a pretty intriguing national dialogue around race and equity right now. So this is an intriguing time to be focusing on these issues. So I guess the best way for us to move forward is, I mean, there's a number of principles that Thread ATL kind of builds itself on. And, and we probably ought to just go through these one by one because it's probably a really intriguing way to kind of understand your all's thinking and your positioning. But when you think of a, of a good urbanism, and at least I do, I think of a functional civic organizations. Talk about why that actually matters. So a lot of what we believe in is basically in Atlanta, to explain to people that may not be familiar, a lot of neighborhoods have a neighborhood association. So in fact, there's 242 neighborhoods in Atlanta, and I think the bulk of them do have a, a neighborhood association, which is where people can get engaged with their community, but also with the planning and developments that go on. So, you know, a lot of them started as garden clubs. So, for example, I was president of Fourth Ward Neighbors, and when we started, it was cleanups. But then all of a sudden, the Beltline came and all of the development happened. And so we had to shift rapidly to voicing our opinions about which developments should happen. And then that funnels up to what's called the Neighborhood Planning Unit here in Atlanta. There's 25 of them. And then they make an official recommendation to the city about you know, whether or not a rezoning change should happen, a uh, variance should be granted. And it sounds all very wonky and unimportant and boring, but the fact of the matter is, is that the neighborhoods need to be heard and empowered so that they are engaged, so that they can help determine, as much as we joke sadly about how often buildings are torn down in Atlanta, when they build something in your community, that's going to be there at least 30 years. Preferably, they'll build something that'll be there 100 years. And so we want the neighborhood associations and the civic associations like the NPUs to have a direct, actual, meaningful, empowered, and informed voice with the council regarding what gets built. And that, unfortunately, does not necessarily always happen. Some of the wealthier neighborhoods definitely are able to get their voice heard but some of the lower income neighborhoods, which now are really seeing development come their way, need to be able to have their voices heard in determining how tall buildings are, how much parking there is. And that's, you know, obviously a tension because not everyone sees good urbanism. Some people just see development. Some people do want cars and some people don't want density. But at the end of the day, we're very firm on, you know, listening to the neighborhood and civic associations as they advocate for themselves. Well, I'm optimistic. If there are any silver linings with this pandemic is I think a lot of people have recognized how important community is. And so hopefully there is more attention paid to these, these neighborhood organizations and, and the real impact that they have. So I'm hopeful that, that, that we see some positive outcomes from that. I do have to, to joke with you, uh, your Twitter profile does say to ask you about parking lots. So I'm asking you, <laughs> talk to me about parking lots. In 2013, obviously, we were dealing with a lot of development in the old Fourth Ward. And I don't know how much detail to go into that. I guess most of the listeners here are in Atlanta, so they will know what the old Fourth Ward is and what was happening with the Beltline. 
but I had, you know, embedded myself in learning about good urbanism. I met planners. We, you know, became friends. And my ex-girlfriend called me and said, they're building a parking lot across the street from my condo. Can you stop it? And I knew something about parking. I mean, I, I knew a few things. But then I did a deep dive, kind of, I guess, as a farewell present to her into parking. And you really discover how much parking impacts the city itself. If Once you start to see parking, you can't unsee it. Uh, probably about 30% of Atlanta is parking spaces, either decks or surface lots. And it has just tremendous impacts on everything. So first off, a parking lot doesn't generate any revenue for the city. So when you look at how broke the city of Atlanta is on funding, that's an ongoing fact. If you have 30, no one would set aside 30% of their house for their garage. When you set aside 30% of your city for car storage that is mostly just unused, you're wasting valuable space. Uh, Parking lots create heat islands. So like you look at the area around Turner Field, which is getting redeveloped now, you know, the average temperature in that area was going to be warmer during the summer by, I think, something like three to five degrees. But the biggest thing about it is, is that it incentivizes car use and actually makes it more unpalatable to use transit. So if you, everyone says here that, you know, when I talk against parking, that we need less of it. People say, well, we're not there yet because we don't have the transit system. But that's the backwards way of thinking. You're not going to have a functioning transit system when everything is parking lots. So you look at Garnett Station, which is completely surrounded the prison or the jail and then parking lots. So there's really no reason to go there when you take transit and then you have to walk farther and farther because each parking lot distances us from services. I think one of my stats I usually use is that, you know, people say, well, a transit system is what we need first. In New York City, the average transit user makes 1.9 trips a day. So that's not even two. And you think if you go to work and come home, that's two, five days a week. The average Atlanta driver makes 3.5 trips a day. And the difference is, is that when you get off a subway stop in New York, you've got all the goods and services surrounding it. When you get off a train station in Atlanta, you, you're usually surrounded by parking. So the more parking you have, the more walking you have to do, which makes walking less palatable and makes driving more convenient. So even look at Edgewood Retail District. You know, it, I'm sure everyone else has done this where you go stand in the middle of the parking lot and watch the cars because it's a great hobby. But you'll watch people go to Kroger, drive from Kroger to Target, drive from Target to Lowe's, then drive from Lowe's to Best Buy. And if we had built that better so that maybe there's, yes, you're always going to need parking. You build one parking deck off in the back corner. You build everything else dense and close together and as close as possible to the Enman Park, Reynolds Town Station. You encourage walking. So parking just discourages the use of transit and encourages the use of cars. And besides just the idea of walkability, but that's part of the environmental impact of our excessive car use. You think about all of the pollution that comes out of cars. It just, it, parking is the fundamental backbone of a modern car-oriented city as opposed to transit use, sidewalks, walking, and 
convenience and access to services. And we have to get over our parking addiction. Uh, I wrote a piece several years ago for the creative loafing. And the sad thing is, is if you, we've spent more money on parking along the Beltline than we've spent on the Beltline itself. There was a study done by the Victorian Transportation Institute that the top reason for the failure of a streetcar system in the country was whether it was that grade, which is how much it's interacting with other cars. But the number two reason for failure of a streetcar service is the amount of available parking along the route. And there's more parking available along the streetcar route in Atlanta than the estimated daily ridership that when they optimistically hoped for. And we were like, there's no way people are going to ride it when they can still just drive. You're stuck in traffic on the streetcar. Then you have to get out and walk past a bunch of parking instead of getting out and walking directly to services and goods and things like that. So parking just fundamentally alters how people interact with their city in a way that obviously emphasizes the car as opposed to the human. Yeah, I saw a piece of journalism it was several years ago now, but it was a, it was a digital piece and it had, in addition to the story itself, it had several maps of some urban centers and it had two maps of each city. I think it highlighted four, four or five cities, but it said image one is kind of a, like a Google Maps visual of the overhead of a, of a city. And then you hit the button to hit the image two and it would highlight highlight the spaces in that city that were dedicated to parking. And it was mind-blowing. It was staggering how the percentage of these maps that were suddenly colorized to indicate what was dedicated to parking. I mean, it was mind-blowing. Yeah, and when I lived in Atlanta, my official stop was the Brookhaven Station, and I still had to drive from there to get to my home or, or get an Uber, and that was frustrating. Yeah, we, have, we actually, we've made our fair share of those maps because... You'll see, for example, right now, the Emory Medical Center, which is near transit, is building a giant parking deck next to a bunch of parking decks. And the last thing I would say about parking, too, is that it just it dramatically increases the price of housing. So it costs about $35,000 to build a structured parking space. So each space costs that much money. So if you're renting in that apartment or that condo development or whatever, that parking is included in your rent, whether or not you're paying for it, if you're using it. If you go to the grocery store and they have a giant parking lot, the cost of building that parking lot, the cost of the wasted land, the cost of maintenance is all built into your groceries. So Donald Shoup wrote uh, the classic work on this called The High Cost of Free Parking. And so when you go to the grocery store and you buy your tofu, you have to think that part of the price of that tofu is your parking space. And so we're, we're hiding the cost of parking. It would be better if you had to pay to park. And then that would encourage people to maybe not drive, but also the people that aren't driving aren't shouldering the cost of subsidizing your free parking. Mm. So it just trickles down everywhere. I don't think people realize. Yeah, so we, we have tons of these. Yeah, no, I bet you do. And and I wish people were more. And my, my wife would always say that lanterns would drive from their bedroom to the kitchen if they could do it because it's just so embedded in how we, you, you live life there. Think you need 20% down to become a homeowner? Think again. What if you could buy a home without a down payment? That's right. New American Funding understands that saving for a down payment can be difficult. 
They have competitive loan programs that can get you into a new home. Their 100% FHA financing loan program makes getting into a new home with no down payment possible. Let one of their home loan professionals pre-qualify you. Contact a new American Funding Loan Officer today to find out more about these niche loan programs and start your home ownership journey. For more information, call 678-898-3540. That's 678-898-3540. You know, talk about transit for a minute. I mean, that's a obviously a an interesting discussion to have in Metro Atlanta. This idea of of public transportation. I remember a few years ago when that that portion of eighty five and the and the bridge collapsed, and and then there were people that were saying, "Well, this is Marta now has to step up." And I remember thinking, "Why does Marta have to step up? It's there. It's doing its job. You guys just aren't supporting it and not using it." And so I was I was kind of frustrated by that mentality. But talk about that. I mean, because Living in a city that, like I do now, where my means of getting around is public transportation, and I love it, versus a community like Atlanta where transit, the public transportation is not as universally adopted. Talk about this whole thing, because that's, that's a big deal when you talk about uh, good urbanism. It is, and there are a lot of things competing there. One of it, yes, obviously the MARTA rail system is uh, sparse. <laughs> You've got one north-south line and one east-west line. And that definitely should be improved. The location of the stations and the quality of the stations. I think the biggest problem in Atlanta, unfortunately, is the stigma against use of the bus. And people look at MARTA and they go, oh, transit in Atlanta is terrible because they just look at the rail. I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. I think that there's a racial stigma. I think there's a class stigma about using the bus. And I think that MARTA itself needs to improve the bus experience. And I I really do believe that the fastest way to improve transit in the city of Atlanta is to increase bus frequency, improve the routes, definitely improve the bus stations themselves, our bus stops, so that, you know, they're not just signs. Sometimes we've got pictures of signs where there's no sidewalk considered a bus stop. Mm. The, the emphasis really needs to be on buses, dedicated bus lanes, and then again, the built environment around these stops and where we focus on it. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, just there's the stigma against the bus and the, the way the bus routes were formed, which really at the time was for the captive audience and the weird routes to bring low income people to higher income neighborhoods to do house cleaning. We need a major revision of our bus routes, and we need a major sign of leadership from our council members, our elected officials, the celebrities that live in this town to say that riding the bus is great. And if we do that, we can have a world-class transit system pretty quickly. But as long as the bus is just seen as lower-income people that don't have cars and have to use it, and this is the service, and your dream is to one day buy a car and never have to ride the bus again, we're going to be doomed because it's going to take forever to build the rail system, which is needed. But even in New York City, once you get outside of Manhattan, if you're living in Queens or Brooklyn, you get off the train and you hop on a bus. And it's 
that's the way it is. And we need to have that mentality here of better bus service. As I would endorse that. Uh, living in a city with a good bus system, uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, my wife's actually more comfortable using the bus than using the L. So I agree with you. I think there's a tremendous opportunity there. And no doubt there's stigmas that we have to overcome, but that can be overcome. And it's been done successfully in many other communities. Gosh, I, <laughs> we need about four hours to go through the things I want to talk to you about. So I'm going to I want to jump to um, improving equity throughout our housing opportunities. Affordable housing is a big issue in Atlanta. Talk about that whole this, that whole discussion. That's critically important here too. The equity in housing is, has become more complicated because Atlanta was always viewed as an affordable city, but that factored out the fact that everyone had to own a car. So if you add in cost of living and you take in car ownership and you know gas and maintenance. The problem is now that since walkable city urban environments have become trendy, people are starting to push back against this. We believe that everyone should have access to affordable housing. They should be able to age in place and they should have access to goods and services in their communities. And we need to, and we're making some progress on that, but we need to have varieties of housing types within neighborhoods. So I live in Adair Park. It's all single family housing. I don't need my single family house because it's just me, but I don't have any other options. So increasing the number of options for people to live in a one bedroom apartment, and then they get married, then they have a house, then they have kids, then the kids move, and then they can stay in the neighborhood. We need to have changes to how our property taxes are done to ensure that legacy residents can stay that their kids can live in the neighborhood, but not necessarily have to live with them. The biggest problem is the idea that a single family house on an eighth of an acre or a twelfth of an acre is the only way to go is killing us. And you see neighborhoods fighting all the time. There was a proposed affordable housing complex down the street, which I think still passed, but it was amazing how many neighbors fought it. Affordable housing requires so many levels just of different types of uses, inclusionary zoning, different types of housing types allow, you know, it's illegal for more than I think four unrelated people to live in a house. It's illegal in Georgia for children of opposite sex to share a bedroom if one of them's over the age of 13, which makes it, you know, you can get reported defects for that. But if you live in a small house and you have two kids, that wasn't uncommon. We've been working on this forever to try to come up with something as a policy. We need more land trust. We definitely need that. Just every solution has a consequence, and you have to acknowledge that. And what we're dealing with and seeing in the city is that there are solutions where the consequences aren't apparent or made apparent. You'll have an issue where a community may say, we don't want affordable housing here, but the same community also wants a lot of retail opportunity. They want good schools. They want to have central workers easily accessible to do that important work. But you can't expect these employees to, to commute an hour to get there. You know, So you have to be mindful of the fact that if you want good schools, if you want good teachers, if you want a lot of folks to serve service those retail opportunities, you've you got to make it... Uh, conducive for them to actually have their own life and, and make it easy for them to get to work and do those things. So, gosh, man, I, we're going to have to have you back on the show because there's so much more that we need to get into. Uh, 
I wish we could dive into more of some of these thread ATL principles that, that are- Wow, we're already done with our time, huh? Well, we got a minute or two. I, I do want to close. I mean, you, you mentioned to me uh, pre-show that you have recently achieved your 501c3 status. And so pretty soon you're going to be seeking uh, financial support from the public. And so I'm anxious to see when you guys get to that level and start doing some real impactful work uh, on that front. You're also going to be doing a lot of advocacy work with the city of Atlanta. Talk about how people can kind of get engaged with you currently and, and support some of the ideals and the principles that you're advocating. I mean, right now, obviously, most of it's through social media. So follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We have a blog webpage, threadatl.org, where we post. And what we need to do is have, you know, the big thing right now is to talk to your friends that don't necessarily understand how we can be a better city. Again, don't accept people telling you, we're not there yet. We need to stay car oriented. Ask them, you know, where are the favorite places they've ever traveled? What do they enjoy about it? You know, you talk about, talk to people that's traveled to New York or New Orleans and had a great time and their memories are never about driving around. And there's absolutely no reason that we cannot turn this city into a city like that. And so what we really encourage is people talking to their friends. And that has been probably the most gratifying thing in the last 10 years of of this work is when I used to write about parking, the comment sections would always be full of how stupid I am. And now when uh, one of the local places writes about a new development, the comment section are filled with, why is there so much parking? We used to lose council votes against bad developments 13 to 2. Now we're only losing them 9 to 6. So convincing your council member to see the value of good urbanism and to flip, if we flip two seats, we'll be winning eight to seven. So it's really just about right now, follow us, talk to us. I'm available to talk. We all are. You can email us at info at threadatl.org for some kind of activity and involvement and ways to engage. Right. Matt Garbett, the co-founder of Thread ATL. Matt, really grateful for your time. Thank you for stopping by and joining us. All right. Well, that wraps this week's Around Atlanta edition. On behalf of our show sponsor, New American Funding, my co-host, Carol Morgan, I am Todd Schnick. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in and listening. And we'll look forward to seeing you again right here next week. We'll see you then. Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is sponsored by New American Funding and made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite source for real estate and home building news. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio.